PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. This podcast is sponsored by Eclipse. Eclipse has helped physical therapists streamline their practices since 1985. Eclipse is a comprehensive all-in-one system that handles your billing, scheduling, and clinical documentation. Find out more at www.ineedeclipse.com or call 1-800-966-1462. The vast majority of manual therapy studies have been done in the human model. So to be able to look at the animals like this, I think, has potential to greatly advance what we know about the mechanisms of manual therapy. Welcome to this PTJ podcast manual therapy, and post-operative pain. Today, three researchers from Brazil discuss their work with an animal model of ankle joint mobilization, or AJM. They present evidence that AJM elicits an antihyperalgesic effect and evidence for the involved neurologic pathways. From Florinopolis, Brazil, we have senior author Dr. Adair Santos, lead author Dr. Daniel Martins, and co-author Lediane Mazardo Martins. From the University of Florida, Dr. Joel Bialowski offers perspective on manual therapy in human subjects. And from the University of Iowa, here is our moderator, PTJ editorial board member, Dr. Kathleen Sluka. Welcome to this discussion. We're here today to discuss a recent paper published in the March 2013 issue of Physical Therapy on the role of adenosine receptors in the analgesia produced by ankle joint mobilization in an animal model of postoperative pain. Today, with us, we have three of the authors of the manuscript. We have Dr. Adair Santos from Federal University of Santa Catarina in Florianopolis, Brazil. He's a professor in the Department of Physiology and Neuroscience, and his laboratory studies mechanisms of natural products and non-pharmacological treatments, including manual therapy, acupuncture, and exercise. We also have the first author, Dr. Daniel Martins. We have a third author with us today, Lidioni Mazzardo Martins. Lidioni will serve as a spokesperson for the group and translate Portuguese to English. I'd like to ask our three researchers from Brazil to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about their background. Hi, I am Adair Roberto Santos. I am a professor of physiology in the Department of Physiological Science in Neuropharmacology and in the postgraduate program in neuroscience of the Federal University of Santa Catarina in Florianópolis, Brazil. I appreciate PGJ for the opportunity to participate in this podcast. Thank you. Hello, I'm Daniel Fernandes Martins. I am physical therapist and professor at the University of Santa Catarina, Unisul. I investigate the endogenous mechanisms that are involved in exercise and manual therapy, especially manipulation and joint mobilization technique. Thank you. Hi, my name is Leidiane Mazado Martin, and I work at Adair's lab. Thank you very much. Also joining us is Dr. Joel Bialowski, clinical assistant professor in the Department of Physical Therapy at the University of Florida. He actually studies the mechanisms of manual therapy in the treatment of musculoskeletal pain, but he does this in human subjects, and he will give us a clinical perspective on this paper as well. 
He's a board-certified clinical specialist in orthopedics and a fellow of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy. Welcome, Joel. Thank you, Kathleen. I'm excited to be here and talk about this article. So what we'll first ask today is that Adair's group will have a short overview of the methods and the findings in this study. So first of all, we need to talk about the plantar incision procedure. In all experiments, the animals were subject to plantar incision surgery, and the tests were performed before, putting units after placebo AJM at its ankle joint mobilization, or nine minutes of AJM. In another group of animals, we administrated antagonists and nine minutes of AJM treatment. The withdrawal mechanical response before surgery procedure was 20% to 30%. The plantar incision procedure induced hyperalgesia, as noted by the high percentage of withdrawal responses, 24 hours after surgery, 80% to 100%. And we did the AJM treatment that was carried out according to the procedure described for humans and adapted for mice. The knee joint was stabilized and the ankle joint was rhythmically flexed and expanded. The mice were anesthetized with 2% of Lorraine via nose cone. The treatment group received three applications of mobilization, each of three minutes duration, and were separately by 30 seconds of rest, with a total of nine minutes of AJM. And recently, our group has demonstrated that this time frame is optimal for producing antihyperalgesia in this model. Our first experiment was carried out to verify if the adenosinergic receptors involved in this antihyperalgesic effect. And we began our study using caffeine, a non-selective adenosine receptor antagonist. The initial screening was administration of interperitoneal caffeine. In this experiment, mice were allocated into four groups. Group one, the animals were operated and received placebo AJM. The animals were subject to nine minutes of anesthesia and were accessed over the same time intervals. And group two, the animals were operated and received an interperitoneal injection of antagonist caffeine. Group three, the animals were operated and received nine minutes of ankle joint mobilization. And in the group four, the animals were operated, received an intraperitoneal injection of antagonist, caffeine, and 20 minutes after, they received nine minutes of AJM. The next step, we evaluated peripheral and central sites. And we also investigated the involvement of A1 receptors on the antihyperalgesia induced by nine minutes of AJM. And in addition, we confirmed previous data about involvement of serotonergic and noradrenergic systems in the antihyperalgesic effect of AJM. And the most important results of our article were that ankle joint mobilization decreased mechanical hyperalgesia, and this effect was prevented by the treatment of the animals with caffeine, given by intraperitoneal, intraplantar, and intratecal routes. In addition, Intraplantar and intratecal administration of DPCPX or systemic administration of Yoimbin or PCPA blocked the antiperalgesia induced by AJM. Okay, thank you very much. So what you were able to show then was the fact that ankle joint mobilization reduced postoperative pain in the animals through activation of adenosine receptors both at the spinal cord level and in the paw? 
Yeah, both sides. So I'm wondering if you can tell us what the overall scientific significance of this is and how it might relate to other non-pharmacological treatments, such as, say, acupuncture or TENS. A significância clínica desses achados It's important to mention that our research group has published an article in PAIN in 2011 demonstrating that AJM produces antihyperalgesic effects and promoted regeneration of peripheral nerve, sciatic nerve, by inhibiting the activation of glial cells in the dorsal horn of spinal cord. These findings have opened new perspectives to use joint mobilization to protect or reduce the effects of nerve injury. And reading the article of Goldman and colleagues in 2010, they speculated that other non-allopathic treatments that involve the mechanical manipulation of joints and muscles might also be associated with an influx of ATP that is sufficient to elevate extracellular adenosine. And recently, Takan and colleagues published in the Journal of Pain 2012 an important article confirming adenosine in acupuncture by demonstrating that local adenosine concentration increased in the front in human subject receiving traditional acupuncture. Thank you very much. Joel, do you have any comments on the manuscript? Yeah, I, I thought it was a really well-written manuscript and a very elegant design. And I think that this type of approach is something that is really missing in the manual therapy literature. The benefits of the animal studies are that they allow you to directly visualize these type of neurophysiological responses. So you're able to do things within the animal model that we obviously can't do within humans. The drawback of this is that these animal models are very dependent upon these reflexive responses. And as we're very well aware, when we just talk about pain in humans, there's also the emotional component of pain too. We're pretty good, or we're getting better, I shouldn't say good, we're getting better at measuring some of the influences on the emotional components of pain in humans. So being able to identify and measure factors such as fear and catastrophizing, anxiety, depression, which may influence the response to pain that we see in humans, we can't do that well in animals at this point. And now the trick becomes being able to translate these type of findings to humans. Thank you very much. And we agree with you. We are really evaluating the nonception without the emotion that we have in humans. So we can do some procedures that is impossible to do with humans. And I agree. I think it's a wonderful benefit of being able to do this. And again, this type of study really has not been done extensively in manual therapy. The vast majority of manual therapy studies have been done in the human model. So to be able to look at the animals like this, I think, has potential to greatly advance what we know about the mechanisms of manual therapy. Even with the limitations of the animal model, I think this is an important step in our understanding of how these interventions can work. I would like to ask you to consider the clinical impact of these findings. How much of this should directly change clinical practice or how should they influence clinical practice in any way? Well, as far as directly impacting clinical practice based on these findings, I don't think that they should. But what I think this does do is prevent some thoughts or ideas for future studies that should be looked at in the human model now. 
you know, we tend to look at a lot of the psychological variables as potential co-founders within studies of pain and maybe caffeine is something that we should be accounting for also when we start looking at these things in people too. And you know, I suppose the answer is we really don't know, but I think there is potential that this does suggest that changes in pain processing in response to these manual therapy interventions may be appropriate for different models, regardless of just the post-operative model. Okay, good. I'm wondering, Leidione, if you can comment on the literature so far in other, not only this animal model, but also what's been shown in other animal models and how the mechanisms may be similar between models. Some of the studies show very similar mechanisms, so you confirmed the serotonin and noradrenaline components that were done in a different model, right? So we know that ankle joint mobilization, it works in other models of pain, like neuropathic pain. We did another article showing this, but in this specific article, we just investigated post-operative pain. We know that the main information to these results of our article gave us that caffeine could interfere on the analgesic effect of manual therapy, especially on manipulation and mobilization techniques. So the physical therapist should advise their patients to avoid intake of caffeine before the sessions to improve the effectiveness of manual therapy if this occurs in humans. And we have data in literature too with chronic inflammation model uh, and demonstrating the activation of the descending control of pain, serotonin and noradrenaline. Actually a fairly complicated series of mechanisms that might be involved, but there's some similar mechanisms in multiple models. Yes. Yes. And now we are showing that the peripheral is contributing to the effect of ankle joint mobilization too. I think it's another important finding. Yes, it is another important finding. You're absolutely right. So, Joel, I'm wondering if you can comment then on where you would think clinical future research should go in regards to the human, and maybe you can even talk a little bit about what you think the animal research should show as well. Yeah. So as far as the animal research goes, yeah, I think this is a wonderful example of potential strengths of the animal model where in humans, we can't open humans up and directly visualize what is occurring in response to manual therapy at the nervous system level. So these animal studies provide terrific opportunities for us to do that. And so as far as where we go with this with animal studies, I think what studies like this should inspire us to do is to look at the animal model more for mechanistic studies of manual therapy so we can have a better idea of directly what is happening in response to these interventions. Clinically, I think we have certainly a number of directions that we need to go right now. One is to start to take what we're learning from these animal models and see if it does translate into our clinical findings. Are we able to translate it or at least a portion of it into human studies of how manual therapy techniques may be effective? So if we do see these neurophysiological responses to manual therapy interventions, can we then relate those to improve clinical outcomes of somebody that has a positive clinical outcome in terms of less clinical pain, less reported disability, two weeks, three weeks, a month down the road? So then the other question comes up, and you kind of just touched on this, 
But in general, manual therapy is used less from pain control and maybe more so to correct biomechanics, improve range of motion, improve general orthopedic problems, but less so maybe as a direct pain control measure alone. Do these types of studies make us rethink how we would use manual therapy as a clinician? I think there's the potential for these type of studies to certainly change the clinical approach and change how we go about it. And you're exactly right. The traditional method of applying manual therapy is very heavily weighted towards a biomechanical effect. So the idea that through a clinical examination, you have to identify some type of biomechanical fault and then the manual therapy is applied in a way to very specifically correct that. What studies such as these suggest is that perhaps a better paradigm for applying manual therapy may be as a means to inhibit pain. So rather than being dependent upon a mechanical fault to direct your treatment, maybe we can start to use pain as the indicator for these. And then the trick becomes determining which people presenting with pain conditions are likely to respond appropriately or favorably to these type of interventions. Thank you very much again. I'd like to ask everybody if they have any final comments they'd like to make prior to us closing out the session. Okay, please can you hold the key? So we would like to say that the results of the study demonstrated that AJM decreased mechanical hyperalgesia, and we also showed that intrathecal and intraplantar administrations of DPCPX blocked the anti-hyperalgesic effect of AJM. To our knowledge, this is the first direct demonstration of the role of the anti-magic system the anti-hyperalgesic effect of AJM. And we think that further studies are necessary to more directly investigate the spinal involvement of the adenosinergic system on the anti-hyperalgesia induced by AJM in other pain models. Thank you very much. Again, Joel, do you have any final comments? Yeah, I just would like to comment that the clinically manual therapy seems to be effective for pain conditions. The question becomes then, is it important to study the mechanisms? If they're clinically effective, do we care why they actually work? And I think that we certainly can do better with them. Without a knowledge of how they work or why they work, I think it's going to be very difficult for us to improve our clinical performance. So to me, it's very important that we do gain a better understanding and studies like this are a wonderful start on that, that we can be more effective with our patients as we learn more about how they work. Nicely said. Thank you very much. I would like to just go ahead and wrap up this session, and I want to thank both groups, both Dr. Joel Bailowski and the group from Brazil, Dr. Daniel Martins, Lidioni Mazardo Martins, and Dr. Adair Santos for being with us. I think we've had an interesting discussion about an animal model of joint mobilization and some underlying mechanisms. We've been able to suggest that these types of studies can help us to better understand how manual therapy might work, and it might begin for us to think about the neurophysiological effects of manual therapy and the use of manual therapy from a different perspective than the biomechanical perspective. We know that these types of studies can also inform future clinical studies and be able for us to start to look at potentially designing clinical trials so again, I want to thank all the speakers 
and I hope we see lots more from this group in the near future. Send us your comments or suggestions about this podcast via email ptj at scienceaudio.net or voicemail 626-593-7825. This has been a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. Thanks for listening.